Isaiah has been with us throughout our series. This prophet knows when the people need some challenge and when they need God's comforting message. And in this week, we hear the prophet proclaiming the steadfast love and compassion of the Holy One who is always with them. I will recount the Lord's faithful acts. I will sing the Lord's praises because of all the Lord did for us, for God's great favor toward the house of Israel. God treated them compassionately and with deep affection. God said, truly, they are my people, children who won't do what is wrong. God became their savior. During all their distress, God also was distressed. So a messenger who served him saved them. In love and mercy, God redeemed them, lifting and carrying them throughout earlier times. The story continues after the birth of Jesus, as we hear of the wise scholars, the Magi from the East coming, telling Herod they were searching for the king that had just been born, visiting and gifting the Holy Family, and then moving on. Matthew tells us what happens next. When the Magi had departed, an angel from the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod will soon search for the child in order to kill him. Joseph got up and during the night took the child and his mother to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod died. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I have called my son out of Egypt. When Herod knew the Magi had fooled him, he grew very angry. He sent soldiers to kill all the children in Bethlehem and in all the surrounding territory who were two years old and younger, according to the time that he had learned from the Magi. This fulfilled the word spoken through Jeremiah the prophet. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and much grieving, Rachel weeping for her children, and she did not want to be comforted because they were no more. After King Herod died, an angel from the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said, and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. Those who were trying to kill the child are dead. Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus ruled over Judea in place of his father Herod, Joseph was afraid to go there. Having been warmed in a dream, he went to the area of Galilee. He settled in a city called Nazareth so that what was spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Merry Christmas. Here we are on a great Sunday when we get to sing all of our favorite Christmas carols, some of which we've been holding off on through the season of Advent in anticipation of celebrating Christmas in song. We have finished this waiting and we are here in this season that is more than just one day, that is so much fun. And then we hear the scripture passage we heard today, which doesn't quite ring with what we might expect after all the talk about hope and love and joy and peace that we heard about during Advent. The beautiful imagery that we celebrated on Christmas Eve acted out, I think, pretty adorably by our children of the congregation, is no longer here. The angels and their songs have returned to where they came from, 
The shepherds have gone back to their fields. The magi have departed, although, spoiler alert, we'll hear from them next week on Epiphany Sunday. The star is not shining quite so brightly. Joseph, Mary, and Jesus are on their own, living their lives in an ordinary and seemingly unremarkable way. We do have one character from our nativity story still in the picture, the one who we don't make cute figurines of, because he is just the worst. It's Herod. Detailed records of the historical figure of Herod exist outside of scripture that tell us about the numerous atrocities that this Herod committed during his reign in Judea. He killed off descendants of a rival family so that no one could take over for him politically. When he suspected political intrigue in his own family, he killed his wife and his oldest son. Before he died, he commanded that on his death, the political prisoners should all be killed so that there would be mourning throughout the land when he died. He was loyal to no one but himself, power-hungry, paranoid, narcissistic, violent. And this is the one character outside of our holy family that we get to hang on to for this season of Christmas. Lucky us, on a Sunday when we are celebrating compassionate joy, he doesn't seem to embody what we'd like to hear about. Herod does not want to come and worship the newborn king. He does not want to participate in spreading the good news with us. No, he wants to destroy what he perceives as a threat to his power and status in the world. But God is still with us. God sends another angel to our dreamer, Joseph. And this time, we don't hear the angel starting off with, don't be afraid, because it turns out, Joseph should be afraid. Instead, Joseph is told that Herod is coming to destroy Jesus, so he better get Mary and that baby the heck out of Dodge. We can think of this dream as an act of compassion, but it's not a joyful one. As a parent who is known to have stressed dreams, had a couple leading up to worship today, and I've had a couple in the past who involve the well-being of my child, I can imagine the panic Joseph must have felt as he woke up from that angelic dream in the middle of the night with this message in his head as he rushed to pack whatever belongings they had and could carry. I can imagine what Mary felt like as she was half awake and Joseph is telling her something about a dream and an angel, another angel. And then it sinks in that this notoriously violent leader is coming for her child. I can imagine how tense and afraid they must have been as they made their way out of town, trying to act cool and calm like they belonged there, but consumed by worry any time they saw a soldier. I can only barely imagine the anxiety they felt as they headed to a new and unfamiliar place, trusting that this angel dream directions were right, and Egypt would provide safety and shelter without any clue of how. 
We learn that Joseph, Mary, and Jesus do make it safely to Egypt. We don't hear much about what happens while they're there, but someone welcomes in these refugees. Someone makes a place for them. Someone somehow helps this vulnerable and frightened family that was threatened with violence in their homeland to become guests in a new land until it's safe for them to return. They have no timeline of how long they will be there. And if anyone has had unexpected guests with no timeline, you can imagine that is not an easy experience. They have no guarantee of when they're headed back. They are guests with no idea when they'll leave. But they are welcomed anyway. They find a way to make a home. And then the most horrifying part of this Christmas scripture story happens. Not in Egypt to our holy family, but back in Bethlehem, where Herod, our evil dictator, thinks this new child king is living. The Magi successfully avoided going back and sharing the location of the child, but Herod hasn't forgotten that they were coming, and that only makes him angrier. He knows there is someone who would have power, who would shepherd the Jewish people and be a caretaker for them, and he is afraid that someone coming to lift up the lowly means that they will take what he believes is rightfully his. He must have feared that giving voice to the voiceless would have meant taking his own away, that caring for everyone meant giving to others and then not having enough for himself. His own way of living was more important than the life of anybody else. So he got rid of the lives that he saw as a threat to what he had. Herod sent his soldiers to clear out any potential threat by killing every male child to and under in Bethlehem and the surrounding area. He embraced fear instead of hope, hatred instead of love, darkness instead of joy, violence instead of peace. When God has promised us all these things throughout Advent to people that Herod doesn't really like, and probably doesn't even really see as human. Herod works against everything God wants for the world, and the the result is truly heart-rending horror. The grief of the parents after Herod's soldiers finish their job is so strong that a lament is heard throughout the land in the same way their ancestors' laments have been heard before. That communal pain is almost unimaginable. And yet, it isn't the first time that God's people have felt this. We hear Matthew tell us that their lament is just like Rachel's, just like those who have lost their children before, just like the families who weren't as lucky as Moses's to find a way to save their child. And we know that their lament is heard by God. God remains true to hearing his people. God does not choose for these innocent children and their parents to suffer, but it is a part of our story. When we hear the promise of a new world that Jesus will bring, 
It means upending these systems of power and oppression, and those systems respond in the same ways they were created. Recognizing and dismantling systems of oppression is a painful process. And sometimes it means that the powerful act out against the innocent. God does not choose for the innocent to suffer. And yet it is there in today's story, and we cannot look away. Our story, though, returns to Egypt, to where Emmanuel has been saved. And after some time, another visit comes from an angel to Joseph in a dream to announce that Herod has died. The threat is gone. They can return to their homeland of Israel. I can imagine how happy they would be, though they seem to have found a home in Egypt, but now they can finally go back to where they're from, back to where they may have family and friends still. And then, on the journey home, Joseph learns that Herod's son, who is just as horrible as his father, has taken over for his father, and they can't actually go home to where they thought they were going to go. Another angelic dream sends our holy family to the city of Nazareth in Galilee to start their lives over one more time. I can imagine again that it must be pretty exhausting. The constant change, traveling with a small child, whether you've had a child or been around someone traveling with one, you know it is no picnic. Changing where they're heading, hopes and dreams and plans shifting. All of it seems pretty rough. On a Sunday, again, when we are in the celebrations of Christmas, singing about compassionate joy. So what we've heard is a pretty horrifying passage of scripture. A holy family fleeing from destruction in the middle of the night. A violent dictator enacting his rage and fear on innocent children. A chance to return home only to find that the next leader is as deadly as his father and they have to find a new home again. All of this is not really what we dragged ourselves out of bed on a gray, rainy Sunday morning between Christmas and New Year's, the faithful few, to hear in the midst of our festive celebrations. But it is important for us to hear, especially those who are faithful enough to show up in this sanctuary today. Because even in the midst of all the good that we have, all of our joyful celebrations, the world continues to see suffering and pain. Leaders like Herod are not just some biblical whim. They still exist today. Families still flee from violence and threats to their children and hope to find safety in strange and unfamiliar places as immigrants and refugees. And many of them do not find the welcome and safety that Mary, Joseph, and Jesus found in Egypt. Attacks against Jewish communities have risen during Hanukkah, including one last night in a rabbi's home that left five wounded. 
The New York Times reported that China has separated nearly half a million Muslim children from their families in order to take them away from faith formation and indoctrinate them into political ideals. The list of atrocities happening in the greater world around us and even in our own communities, the heartache and pain and suffering we see could go on, but we're not going to spend our entire service hearing about that. Our passage reflects real problems and struggles of not only the world that it was first existing in, but in our world today. Where powerful leaders make decisions based on greed and fear, even when things are supposed to be joyful. So what do we do with it? Well, we continue to celebrate the good news of Christmas. We share that news in the midst of things we'd rather ignore. Our job as faithful followers is to take what we have gained during Advent, the hope, love, joy, and peace, all the things that we see in the incarnation of Jesus' birth, in that beautiful story of Christmas Day, and we face the reality that, like many seasons of our lives, the season of Christmas holds light and dark. We are challenged with shining that light in the midst of the dark. Because we find those ideas, the love, the joy, the hope from um, Advent in this passage that we heard today in the midst of the dark. The hope of the seasons of Advent and Christmas is found in this vulnerable baby born in a stable who's protected and saved by dreams. The love is found in a family that gathers all they have in the middle of the night, risking everything to save their child, heading into an uncertain future, an unfamiliar place, no matter what it takes. The joy of the season is seen in refugees who receive welcome from strangers with no idea of when they'll leave this strange place, no proof of their status and worthiness of this welcome except their humanity. The peace of this season is seen when a powerful man threatens violence against God and rather than return that violence, as we know our all-powerful God can, God whisks away the holy child, offering presence and care, sitting with those in their laments, in the midst of pain and suffering. In all that we heard in the passage today, what we have learned is that nothing, not even the darkest, scariest, most unfamiliar, most horrifying things we can imagine, not the furthest distance to travel, the deepest lament, none of it can defeat God's promise of Emmanuel, that God is with us. This beautiful scene of the birth of Christ may not be sitting right in front of us anymore. But in the season of Christmas, holding on to Christ with us, 
We have just begun the call to share that good news, to participate as followers of Christ, as being God with us in the world. We are called to find and live out that compassionate joy that we might struggle to hear in Scripture, but that we know rings true. The professor and psychologist Kristen Neff defines compassion by saying, compassion then involves the recognition and clear seeing of suffering. It involves feelings of kindness for people who are suffering so that the desire to help, to ameliorate suffering, emerges. Finally, compassion involves recognizing our shared human condition, flawed and fragile as it is. We have spent time this year throughout Advent preparing for the presence of God in our lives, not just so that we can enjoy great things and celebrate, but so that we can share that presence with others, recognizing God's presence in the shared humanity around us, sharing it with others who are afraid, who are fleeing violence, who are grieving, who are seen as less than human by those with power. We can shy away from those horrors or turn off the news and ignore them, or we can do our part of shining light in the darkness, showing the world that God is with us in this season, whether it is a happy passage or not, continuing the work that Howard Thurman reminds us of in his poem, The Work of Christmas. <clears throat> when the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flocks, the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among the people, to make music in the heart. Amen. And so may you be blessed as we go out with compassionate joy, continuing the joyous work of Christmas. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. Thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.